Hi everyone, I'm David Green. Welcome to the final episode of Series 5 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast, and indeed our last episode before the Christmas and the New Year. The role HR plays in successful business transformation is significant and increasingly important. I am joined on today's podcast by Julie Digby, who has led several successful integration and transformations at Mars, including a two-year project which saw the merger of Mars and Wrigley. What struck me most from our conversation is the key triumvirate Mars forms for successful transformation, comprised of finance, HR, and the president of the Mars business involved. In our conversation, Julie and I discuss how HR is organized and works with the business in Mars. We talk about the specific role HR plays in transformation projects, particularly in relation to organizational design, culture, and change management. We look at the role that technology and data plays in supporting, enabling, and speeding up transformation work. We also talk about the skills that HR needs to develop as it becomes a more strategic function within the business. And finally, as we do with all our guests on the show, we ponder what the role of HR will be in 2025. This episode is a must-listen for anyone in HR involved in transformation, change, and business partnering. Before we get started, a brief word from our sponsor for Series 5 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Support for this podcast is brought to you by OrgView. OrgView is the SaaS platform for workforce analytics and modeling that puts your organization on the front foot. Because in an era of constant disruption, getting ahead sure beats playing catch up. What OrgView does best is give you control of your workforce, how it's organized, how it operates, and how it can be designed to do better, all based on data. It connects HR and finance data so the business can come together to interrogate the present and plan ahead to ensure the workforce and the work it does delivers the business vision. This is real-time organisational planning and analysis for times of change, and that's why OrgView is used by the world's most progressive companies and consulting firms to continually shape their future organisation. To discover more, visit the website at orgview.com. That's orgvue.com. So I'm delighted to welcome to the Digital HR Leaders podcast, Julie Digby, who's the Global Integration and Transformation Leader at Mars. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Can you give our listeners a a quick introduction to yourself and why you moved into HR? Yeah, of course. It's great to be here. So uh, I'm a long-standing Martian, uh, as we call it. Um, (laughs) So I joined on the management training scheme. And my history actually is more sales, procurement, and only lastly into HR. So I spent most of my career in procurement. And things like moderators, um, I, I was running COCO teams, and t- uh, came into HR about five, six years ago. Uh, so I was invited to join. Uh, I didn't say yes straight away, uh, but I then did say yes, because uh, I thought it was an opportunity um, to come in and um, uh, do something you know, positive in the business. And uh, essentially, I've done that for sort of five, six years. And then about three years ago, there was an opportunity to join um, a team that was looking at a transformation in our business. So I've volunteered for that, and I've been in transformations ever since. And what, what were your thoughts when you first came into HR, having not necessarily worked in the space before? Well, I think it's quite interesting because it has like this, I almost think it's like a theatre. You have the, like the, the, the actors on the front of the stage and then there's a hell of a lot of stuff going on uh, backstage. So I think there's, I think you know, from the outside actually you only really see part of it. So I think it is, it's a real place to be highly influential in helping the business to move forward. And I think uh, it's a great place, but some of that's not visible, but it's a real uh, you know, lever for change or driver for change. And it's certainly something I think we're starting to see more, more and more people coming into HR who maybe not had their career in there. Mm-hmm. I think it's good because I think 
the danger in organisations is that our big functions can become quite siloed and it's mm -hmm. people that just have careers that go vertically. Yeah. So it's nice to have that kind of mixture of vertical and horizontal, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, in two, in two ways, actually. I mean, it's great to, to have that because you get them perspective um, yeah. and uh, you've come, actually become slightly more generalist in some ways. But, but actually it means that, you know, you've ended up, um, I've managed to keep, stay in one business and have a fabulous career um, in different functions. So, um, Which is fantastic. Yeah, so you really are a Martian. Then, <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. Through and through again. <laughs> I think a lot of people would think, think I was a Martian at many times. Um, so moving on. So, so how is HR set up at Mars? And then importantly, how does HR work with the executive team? So um, we've actually gone through our own transformation in recent years. So we, we um, operate through a, a global service centre that runs all the transactional stuff, talent acquisition, associate relations, rewards. We have a relatively small sort of um, centre of expertise running some of the things like culture, engagement. And then our business partners, our strategic business partners, are out in the segments. So yeah. they're either in Mars playing a strategic business partnering role. And the nature of it, they are, are got a seat at the table. And so they're working with global presidents, regional presidents, or in the markets. Basically, they are um, working with them day in, day out. Uh, so uh, would be seen as really almost being the, the right-hand person of the president. Yeah. The president's running and supporting and driving things. So, so very much... Um, close to the business and to the, the strategic choices. And I think that's important because I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot of HR functions are sometimes very much centralised and, and quite far removed from the business, mm -hmm. which means it's hard to to actually, uh, you know, because different ge geographies, mm -hmm. different parts of the business obviously mm -hmm. operate very differently, have different needs, mm -hmm. uh, different priorities. And I guess that helps the people that are close and working with the presidents to actually you know, be very responsive to what to their needs. Yes, and, and clearly, you know, the, I mean, the, the service centre is absolutely critical to make the function work and make the business mm. work. But actually, the strategic insight comes from being in the business. Of course. Um, and so often, you know, you hear this comment of, you know, uh, what's it like, you know, um, being in the business or coming into the business? Well, HR is in the business. <laughs> so you talked about transformation and there's business transformation that's going mm. on as well at, as well at Mars. You know, what were the driving factors and objectives behind the behind the transformation that obviously you've been heavily involved in? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we do, it's transforming all the time. I mean, the, course, the, key, yeah. the key, I mean, the key driver is if you look at our consumers and our customers, in you know, the, the it's changing constantly. You know, what consumers want and what they want to buy, and actually, more importantly, where they want to buy it is very different. And so, you know, we've done a lot of um, we do a lot of transforming all all the time. I was involved in one post-acquisition um, merger. And so we brought, uh, we bought Wrigley and then a couple of years ago we brought those two businesses, Wrigley and Chocolate, together. Yeah. Uh, so I spent some time doing that. And clearly that was about, you know, leveraging the power of those two businesses to make them collectively and more effective, you know, combining innovation um, and driving some efficiency. But we're also doing things like, you know, looking at going from, you know, with the advent of um, decom, ecom, you know, move the shift that we have to make in terms of, you know, route to market, our sales forces is constantly evolving and transforming. So, so there's kind of a number of things that are driven, but fundamentally driven by external needs and our desire to grow. And I suppose from a people perspective, that means that you, you can continue having to evolve the, the mix of skills that you've got in the workforce, yeah. which I guess is where HR can play an important role. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the, one of the key things that, you know, that, that strategic business models partners need to be doing is it's this translation of, from you know, the mission of the business, the strategy into you know, how can we make sure we can execute really well and, and capability building is one of those things and identifying the capabilities we need. So, so on that as well, you know, what was the specific role that HR played in, in the transformation? 
I know when we were talking last week, we talked about things like culture and operating model and, and, yeah. and other areas. So it'd be interesting to hear some of those because I guess there's a lot, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, the first thing to say is that a lot of things that are in this, in the, well, clearly anything in the people space, HR would be leading that project. You know, mm. They would be the head on the horse. Um, a lot of the transformations actually, then it's, it's sponsored by a president. So uh, in, the, in the things that I've worked, the president's sponsoring, and then your steer, steer co is... You know, your HR lead, your finance president, who are, who are really guiding the project. And so really it's then taking the mission, the strategy and saying, what do we need in terms of ways of working? What do we need in terms of cultural shift, behavioural shift, capability? Um, and actually, lastly, actually, what does the organisation need to change? So do the boxes need to change? Yeah. yeah. So again, very much a cross-functional approach rather than, you know, you're working very closely with with colleagues in in other business well, functions. Yeah, to... absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't do it in isolation. But I think the you know the lead really. So the the lead of it is generally HR. If it's a people project, I mean, when we did the integration work, there was a significant amount of IT, uh, financial process change. So there was a people work stream, there was an IT work stream, and then there was a you know financial work stream just because of the nature of the the complexity of that. Uh, but generally, when we're looking at you know how do we adapt our operating model, it would be HR led. So what was the hardest part? What is the hardest part of driving transformation? Because I think we, we agree now transformation is almost a continuous thing. But what's, what's the hardest part you find that? Um, there's lots of things that are hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I guess generally you've got, in transformation, there's usually a lot of complexity. So there's so much going on. And so first of all, it's just kind of distilling and cutting through that. I think I've learned that data Data transparency can be a challenge, and the sort of the scrabbling around for data. So we've we've been working quite hard to you know have more at, you know at the fingertips data, and, and global transparency. I think sometimes it's hard to make sure you keep focusing on delivery. So we put in regular sort of um, every four week communication where we are on that. So really, the follow through is really important. Yeah. Uh, people can get quite excited at the beginning, but actually, it's about getting really to the end. It can be quite hard in the sense of if you have long transformations, particularly when you've got very big ones. So I think the you know Wrigley and uh, uh, and chocolate, you know, when it takes a couple of years, the world doesn't stop. No, of the outside not. world doesn't stop. So <laughs> there's a you know you've got to keep the sense of the agility and and actually at points in time, are we still heading in the right direction? And and sometimes it can be a question because people um, are really resisting the change, or it can be right to change the direction. So I think um, just keeping an eye on that uh, and the sense of not getting outdated with your transformation if it takes too long. But probably the biggest thing that I've learned is is the people side of change. It's actually how you change hearts and minds. Yeah, you know you can change the logical stuff, but actually you know when you're even if I think about the transformation of our own function HR. You know, you can, you know, put everything in place for strategic business partners. But you have to convince every single line manager that they go to the service centre now. They don't go to the person that used to be the generalist help for them. Yeah. Um, you've got to actually persuade and, and make people confident and train strategic business partners with strategic business partner skills, which we are. Because they're actually, if they've been generalists before, they're naturally more comfortable there. Yeah. And then we've got, got to put that investment in skills. And we've done work on, you know, the innovation and, you know, trying to do more global innovation. And so, you know, we've got markets where historically did the innovation for themselves. And so their identity was, you know, I make for myself and, you know, I do everything for myself. And from an efficiency perspective, that doesn't make sense. And so Mm. you're changing really their identity from I'm in control of everything to actually I need to be a brilliant executor. Yeah. 
Um, and therefore, you need, what you need to do is take them on that journey. Uh, and that needs sponsorship. It needs the leadership continually there. It needs line managers knowing their role and training. It needs constant communication through the corporate affairs teams. And it needs actually sort of celebration when it's, when it's happening. Um, uh, so you actually, it's that part that's the hardest, the, the sort of logical stuff. Yeah. It's not just moving people into different boxes. No, it isn't. No. It isn't at all. Yeah. And what are some of the practical things that, that, that you've done to help win those hearts and minds? Mm-hmm. Both for people who are maybe changing their roles, but also customers in the business are actually having to go to the service centre, for example, instead of mm-hmm. the HR generalist. Well, the first thing we've done is actually recognise change management as a real skill in our business. So, you know, we've got a, a way of doing it. We've, we've adopted a methodology and we've actually trained the HR people to do it. So that first one, the first thing is recognising you need it. And, yeah. and uh, the second is in, in when we're doing the transformation projects, we will have a change manager. So what's critical in the makeup is you have clearly a sponsor. You have to have the project manager that, that, that's um, controlling it, and then you need a change management expert as well. Uh, so bringing in that change man- those change managers both globally, regionally, and in the markets, and then they go through the methodology, which starts essentially starts from you know engaging who's going to lead this, who's going to sponsor it, you know what is the training plan, um, yeah. so developing the training plan, what's the comms plan. You know how how are you going to assess you know where you've, you know the where you've got tensions, so creating heat maps of areas of resistance, um, and then going in and doing that. So, so that's really you know now operating in the business, and, and I personally believe actually it's the core capability of strategic business partners um, yeah. because um, of the future. So that's uh, uh, where we're clearly driving that through our organisation, which is can be quite different to maybe how they've operated previously. Sometimes I think I think sometimes it's intu- there is an intuitive nature of sensing the organisation that people have, but I think what you need actually is to recognise this. This is this needs to be very structured, and it isn't just the first day. It's actually the thing that probably lasts the longest in a transformation. You need to keep the change management going. Of so, how do you measure that you're on track? So, just mm-hmm. a, an example which will probably resonate with some listeners. You know, let's say you're doing, you're bringing two teams together, maybe mm-hmm. from from Mars and Wrigley, the red team and the blue team. Mm-hmm. How do you measure and, and make sure that you're they're becoming purple? Very <laughs> <laughs> good question. Well, I guess looking at measurement even more broadly is, you know, any transmission you go into will have a whole load of measures, and usually it's about top line, and ultimately it's about top line growth, which yeah. is, you know, it comes after. And then there's, you know, bottom line efficiency. But then you really need to look at all the other things that you're trying to change. So, you know, when you're bringing two businesses as we were t- together and with a slightly different background, culture, way of working, one slightly more centralised, one slightly more decentralised, then you really need to just say, well, look at, across all of them against the culture, against the engagement, what are the measures you have? Now, sometimes we have, you know, immediate measures. Financials, you generally have immediate measures. Yeah. On things like, are, you know, are we changing um, the, the sense of the organisation? We've got engagement measures of, you know, how does it feel? So we, we do regular engagement scores. And then within change management, you can do pulse surveys. You can do, you know, with technology, you just send out you know, relevant questions based on the journey to, to get a sense of how the organisation, individuals in the organisation are feeling. But clearly what's really important is the line managers as well, is how they're sensing the organisation. So it is a matter of um, some sensing, some data, some measurement, and it's a whole mixture of that. But uh, again, uh, given it's people's feelings and some of this, that it's really challenging. When it's actual delivery, you can really see them. And culture is a hard thing to, to, to change and a hard thing to measure as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what is, have you got an example of how of some of the things that you've done to 
So kind of move that along. Well, I mean, just I mean, just simple things we did when we did the integration um, to help in terms of the culture was it was really important that this was a merger, a post-acquisition merger. Yeah. So having the right representation of the you know the, the red team and the green team or whatever to come in the leadership teams that were at the end was really important mm. that you didn't end up with every you know everyone from one side of the business so that uh, you really got the mix of those um, and we actually did and, and, and the markets were doing work or actually talking about culture so workshops on what's different um, and recognizing there was a difference and they had to then talk it through and understand you know to, to, to find the best of both worlds. And you said that you were measuring as you went along through through pulses, yeah. So that you're getting you're getting information on a regular basis as how people are feeling, what's yeah. working, what's not working, so you can adjust the plan if necessary. And I think with with, with the, all those things, like you start at a global level when you're doing, and if it's a global program, but actually at the end of the day, it depends on how someone's feeling in Russia. They might be feeling a bit very different from what how they're feeling in China. Of course. So you really need to have people on the ground, you know, helping with the change management um, uh, and, and the program. Uh, you can't just do it from the centre, because um, it's one size does not fit all. No, definitely not. And as you said, you could have people in different parts of the world or different mm-hmm. parts of the business feeling very differently. Some people yeah. in the UK, for example, might think the transformation is going extremely well. well yeah. Others may feel in Russia, to your example, that it's not. So yeah. it's having that that mix between global and local resources to kind of support that process. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And where you start, I mean, even, even when you think about things like capability builds or you need want to make a shift in terms of you know how, how you're working the trade, it's very different in China than it is in North America. You know, so everyone's starting point is different too. So you've got to recognise that. Um, so it's really important to have, you know, networks in the places where you are making the transformation. Like, it isn't something you can just do from the centre. No. And I guess it's where communication is so important. So, yeah. you know, I was actually involved in a in a in a merger and acquisition at one point, and it was presented to the business as a merger, and it was very much an acquisition, and and, mm-hmm. and you know, and it was clearly one company taking over another, and mm-hmm. and that's that that shone through in the uh-huh. leadership team and ways of working uh-huh. and everything else. Uh-huh. Whereas I think if it had been presented in the right way uh-huh. initially, then uh-huh. it probably would have worked better uh-huh. and it took this company a couple of years to really sort itself out uh-huh. and, and actually become that one company that it had intended to be uh-huh. within a six-month period. So. I think what's really important is, you know, when you're setting out, and whatever you, I think, the, you know, the role of um, strategic business partners is to say, what's, what's the strategy of the business? What's the mission? What's the strategy? And how are we going to get there? And there's many things that we need to think about. So you need to think about culture, you need to think about capabilities, you need to think about all these things up front, and you need to have a plan for them. It's not just, you know, because there's a risk that you tend to go, you know, one-dimensional if you're not careful, and it's just focusing on one thing, or rushing too quickly to to organisation, which actually is, you know, it's a part of it, but it's an output of the best. So what what is the role of technology, you know, as a key enabler in the transformation change mm-hmm. process, both maybe from a planning but also from an execution perspective? Well, generally, technology for me is speed. You know, uh, anything that you can you can do on a piece of paper or an Excel or a PowerPoint. What technology does is it it really speeds it up. And um, what we've been doing is, I mean, we've um, we've got a system now that helps us really visualize the organisation globally. Uh, and I mean, visualize in the sense of, you know, was, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting down with one of the functional leads and being able to play with the tool and see and do what if. And I think that what technology does is, you know, it would have taken us weeks exchanging yeah. data. Um, but it's also the sense of creating the story and making it, you know, being able to interrogate it live and test hypotheses. You know, we also use the, the same technology, you know, what would have, would have taken probably days to do in terms of organisational design. Yeah. Um, people are doing in hours now. They can say, well, what if I did this? What would it, what would it do to do to the organisation? 
And so, so I think we've, we've used technology in the sense of almost, I think two things. One is you, it's great to have data right at the beginning. Uh, and sometimes at the beginning, we probably didn't have it in quite the format. Uh, as we've invested in more tools now, having it available so that you can keep, it's, it's live. It's, it becomes an evolution, not a transformation. So you, yeah. can, you can have a hypothesis of changing stuff. You can go and have a look at a system and see it, see it um, there, see all the data there. So this technology helps you effectively do scenario planning, bring well, the data from different parts of the organisation together, maybe run an org design model, yeah. and then maybe make some changes to that, but you can see those changes live right. and it helps you with that conversation you're having with a, yeah. the president of a business, for example. Yeah, and equally it tells you where you are. You know, yeah. So where you are in terms of, you know, have you actually done what you said you were going to do? So the global transparency you can have to look across the organisation and say, you know, we intended to invest um, at a strategic revenue management, decom, whatever it may be. Actually, have we just in terms of capacity? Yeah. Can you actually see, do we, can we see those, that those roles and those people have come in to do that work? Um, and, and equal technology in our own func- uh, function in HR. Uh, you know, the use of bots, you know, really making the service centre super efficient. Yeah. That's um, clearly uh, a route too, yeah. And you're using some of that AI machine learning type bot um, technology in, in, in Mars at the moment through the service sector. Yeah, they're, yeah they're, uh, they're, they're working on that. Um, I'm not the, I wouldn't say I'm the expert, um, yeah. but clearly what I see is I see it driving efficiency. I can, I can see you know, we, we're using some internal acquisition, early stages of time acquisition, the service centre response stuff, and that, you know, that makes a difference. And even pulse service, you know, talking about getting a sense of where, where is the organisation you know, the, it, now it's, it's it's almost you know you can do almost in, in ten minutes. You create a survey, send a pulse out, and get pe- get people to uh, feedback. So so everything it's all about speed. Yeah, it's very different from the kind of some of the rigid processes that we've had in HR for years before you came into it. <laughs> um, you know, things like in, in checking pulses and engagement. You know, you can do it on a much more agile basis now. And I think yeah. it's important, particularly yes. when when you're thinking around transformation and change. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so. If we look, you know, what what I think you shared some of these already, but what are some of your key learnings from? Let's take the Mars and Wrigley transformation, for example. What worked well? What didn't? What would you do differently next time? Yeah, um, I think, yeah, I think there's the, the probably three things that spring to mind. Is one is I think it's about sponsorship. So the the key thing is having you know the the sponsor who is with you throughout. Um, it's yeah. usually the the, the, the president and, uh, or it may be a functional leader for some of the smaller transformations and, and really then being clear about their role as well so actually we spent some time explaining the role you know having simple things like weekly steer codes yeah. uh, connections you know keeping going throughout the the, trans, uh, the projects uh, is really really important I've you know I've experienced sometimes you know leader change uh, so you start with one sponsor and then you get other sponsors so you need to make sure you're going back and uh, and Understanding where they sit on it, uh, on the on the particular thing, and also making sure they're clear with the role. So, uh, so that's without that, and I think there's a stat actually, uh, industry stat that says eighty percent of transformation fails because of lack of sponsorship. No. Um, and so that's you know I can that see tells that. you how important it is. Doesn't it? <laughs> So yeah, and 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 it feels really all this stuff feels really obvious. Mm. But actually, if you've just got it as your checklist, I need to do this because there is a risk sometimes you want to go off and just make it happen. But actually, yeah. you need that leadership, you need that um, sponsorship. Uh, I guess the the second thing would be, really, I mean, there's a lot around you know clearly the data, being able to uh, you know get access to that, visualize that, and, uh, making sure that that, that that's happening, and and, uh, and I think that. 
it's really important. Some of the capabilities you need in transformation are, are different. They're actually different from strategic business partnering, actually. So you need brilliant uh, PMOs, so project management. Yeah. Um, and I probably didn't appreciate that until like, I got in and saw the, you know, the real power of doing that. Mm. We've talked about change management. We've got to have great change management. So great sponsors, great project managers, great change, access to data, investment in as much in change. And the one thing that strategic business partners, I think, need to get better at and we need to invest in a bit like the change management piece is, I think we've got to be great at building operating models. And that, that, that for me is this you know, translation of here's the strategy, but how are, you, how are we going to operate? Yeah. And they need to, we need to have the skills to do that. And I think if you miss any of those, and you, within any transformation, you have like sub-projects. We've got examples where, you know, essentially we didn't put the project management in early enough. Yeah. Or the sponsors, you know, work take playing their role, or we thought about change management not in its holistic, but spent too much time on one facet of it, and and so uh, so transformations are never just one thing; they're usually sub projects within that. A lot of moving parts. Lots of moving parts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I suppose as you said, you know, one of the early comments, really, two year transformation process. That's a lot of you know, and, and as you said, things are changing quickly so you're having to revisit the plan and I guess yeah. as you said that's where a great PMO comes in because uh-huh. you're able to have that agility to uh-huh. to be able to do that yeah. and having that sponsor to kind of say uh-huh. okay we need to change x and y yeah. what's the impact yeah. you know absolutely absolutely yeah okay so in our call you said that finance and HR essentially are the core of the business which I quite <laughs> liked you know so someone that's come into HR from the business what are some of the practical ways that you feel that HR and finance can work well together yeah Probably some context. So I feel quite lucky in almost the the context in which I, you know, we work within uh, within Mars. So the, there is a core team. What I would describe as a core team, which is the president, the finance head, and the HR head. So those three are seen as a almost the core team. So if there was a um, a segment review with with the, with the globe, it would be that team talking to the globe. If there was a regional review, it would be that team. So HR actually is. It's almost got more than a seat at the table. It's got a seat at the inner table. Yeah. Um, which I mean, which is great. I mean, we've got to make use of it. Because we've got to, well, of course. That's yeah. Like that. But I think we're lucky in that sense. But but what I see is, you know, um, each of those three bring different things to the table. So the leader is bringing clearly leadership, um, and usually more a demand focus. Yeah. Finance as deliberate is bringing much more of the numbers and, and HR's more people more the people side and that sounds a little bit stereotypical but the reality is all of those people need to be great at strategy they need to be able to understand the business so they yeah it's part of the job to bring something unique to it so I guess you know in terms of finance and HR working together we, we bring complementary skills and so if you're in a transformation then that you can be sure if you've got a finance person sitting next to you they're more on the numbers than the HR person is. Uh, even if the HR person likes numbers, it's just that it's almost a bit more in their, it's in their job description in their DNA. So I think together it's so much stronger. So um, I think the key thing is to realise what you can do as HR and what finance can do and basically go ask for help. Yeah. So in projects you need the help of the finance person uh, to, to be much, to much more on the numbers and the, and the tracking of it. But equally, if you just did that and you didn't have the focus on HR, it would be you wouldn't take the people with you. No. So, so for me, I think it's rec- in terms of working with HR, it's just it's just so obvious. It's kind of the context in which I work. But I really value 
all the work that I do with, with my financing. We talk about being joined at the hip almost, that anywhere we each of us go, we can, we can talk on each other's behalf. Um, and uh, it's critical. But I think you've just got to, ask, you've got to be clear about what you're going to deliver to the project and then ask for help from finance for the bits that they're much better at. And I think it's, it's an important relationship. I think a lot of organisations don't get that relationship between finance and HR well. Sometimes you, you, I hear stories of HR being in the room presenting some numbers and finance saying we don't agree. Mm-hmm. You know, even there's something as simple as headcount. Mm-hmm. So actually, by working well together and playing to each other's strengths, you can present that you know yes. whole story, as it were, to the, the president that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, and that's part of the triumvirate. As exactly. Well. Yes, <laughs> and, and, I, and I think equally, uh, you know, things like the, the way in which you set your business up. So if you have a finance system with headcount and you have a HR system with headcount, that's already a, um, a problem in itself and needs to be resolved. Yeah, you want the same number. <laughs> you want the same one number. <laughs> so the word transformation does seem to imply a start and an end. And I think we've already talked about how it's probably more continuous than that now. Yeah. Is this, you know, that is something you're seeing at Mars, but just to reflect on that. But if so, what does this mean for HR professionals in terms mm-hmm. of the skills that they need to develop? Particularly, I'm thinking when working with with the, in, in close uh, cooperation with the business. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's evol- it should be evolution or, uh, rather than transformation. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, and that I think that's mostly the reality. I think there are times clearly when mergers and acquisitions they become you know, big bang things. But really, unless the, the business evolves, that's that's an issue. And, and you know, even for you know, as a part of the you know CPG business. You know, CPGs, you know, it's been tough over the last ten years, um, and uh, so that's consumer products. Yes, consumer yeah. products. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, and so you know, it, there's a, a fight for growth. So you know, there is, you know, we've been, you know, changing how we do business. For example, now we have two and a half thousand vet hospitals we run. So we've been going beyond our core businesses. So so there will be more sort of, you know, uh, there will be uh, mergers and acquisitions still. But technology is going to change. You know, day by day, it's changing the roles that people are, um, are doing. So we need, we really need to adapt. So, um, so I think what strategic business partners need to be is really close to strategy. They need to be really close to the mission of the business and the strategic priorities, and how that's changing. So really, ears to the ground in those conversations, yeah. understanding that. I think actually we need to be, we need to be listening. We need to be out there. I think sometimes we can be a bit insular as a function, and we need to be understanding what's happening. You know what. What's going on in the um, external world? Yeah. Trends in terms of talent. I think we need to get more data and data driven, and more comfortable with it. And and when I when I say that, I don't I don't necessarily mean that we need you know the data manipulation in the hands of the strategic business partners. But we've got to have the tools, and we've got to have the specialists who are, who are by the side of the strategic business partners that can access and show them, and show them the data yeah. and test their hypotheses. So we need to have you know, the ability to constantly be saying, okay, what's happening to our organisation? Does that still fit with the strategy? And doing that on a constant basis. And that's hard because actually to invest in becoming more data savvy or comfortable, you've actually got to invest time. And of usually course. we're so busy so, trying, to, yeah, yeah. trying to do the, the, the work, you know, the day we actually we need to just step back and get invest to get over that discomfort hump to get the speed later on. So it's um, kind of working hand in hand with the people analytics team or, yes. you know, or and data specialists. And then for the specialist business partners, that ability to take that data, 
translate it into a story that's going to resonate with their partner in finance, exactly. with, their, with their president and the business that they're supporting. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and it, it is a different capability. Mm. So, you know, in the work that we've got, we've got data analysts, analysts actually sitting out in the regions because it isn't, it isn't what you want your strategic partner, to, business partner to be specialist at, uh, but they need to be able to do that, that, that translation. Yeah. So that's really, really important. And then, the, and then I, think, I think I've talked about it. I think this sense of we need to invest in this, you know, the change management and the, that capability in order to be able to get these changes. Because if you've got, you know, as, as, you, as every business has now, is almost there's a change every, every week. And a lot of associates are facing two or three different changes, yeah. um, you know, either based on, you know, what the, uh, their customers are saying. You know, there's lots of things that are, that are going on for people. So uh, we need to get good at that portfolio change management. So really, in, in some ways, HR needs, you know, probably in the past, HR may have been guilty, probably has been guilty of being a bit too insular looking, just looking at the function. Certainly, it needs to have a more outward focus to the mm-hmm. business and really be there to try and drive business value. And as you said, operationalize mm-hmm. some of the strategy from a people perspective. And it's interesting what you said about being more externally focused as well and understanding probably, mm-hmm. as you said, some of the talent trends that are going, but maybe also mm-hmm. what the competition are doing and, yeah. and what that means for, for, for Mars as well. Absolutely. Yes. And, it, and it, it is all of that. And I think the, that we're really within the um, almost the operating model that we have, you know, we've moved from generalists over the last years to specialists. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to get much more honed at each of, us, at each of those skills uh, and how technology can help us um, and what the trends are in those, uh, in those areas. Yeah. Perfect. Well, that lends it on very well to the question that we ask everyone on the show. And we're nearly in 2020, so we might have to extend this to a bit beyond 2025. So what do you think the role of the HR function will be in 2025? It's interesting. I've read quite a few articles. This is kind of the whole spectrum from um, it's going to be obsolete, we're going to be irrelevant, uh, through to it's really optimistic. I'm really optimistic because... Good, so because people, you know, the people part of our business, it's a massive competitive edge. We, you know, making, you know, getting the best out of that, out of the, the people is always going to be a means of, you know, delivering more. Um, so we've got to be really good at, you know, doing that for business. But I think the opportunity exists for us. Um, I think in terms of, you know, what we need to do is we need to be really great understanding the capabilities we need to build in order to do what the business wants to do. And I think getting really good at that is going to keep us relevant mm. uh, and getting even better than we are and doing it and following through. The second is I think the, you know, it's really important we create the environment for employees. We call them associates, actually, but for our associates that, um, that actually we want them to do their best work with us. We want the, to be, them to be the best that they can be. And it's really important that we create that because that then becomes an attraction and people want to come and work for us because of the, what they hear about, you know, what it's like to work and how, yeah. how great the jobs are and how I'm treated. And um, so really creating that environment that, that is, is right and is moving, is relevant for, t- for today. Uh, and clearly what we need to do is if we don't become a, if we don't have the right focus as a function, we need to be super efficient. So our service centres need to be super efficient. Yeah. That's really important because we need to create space for the strategic business partners and enable us to be able to invest across all of those pieces. So uh, that's really that's a really important lever too. And I guess some of the technology that we spoke about will take away some of the more repetitive aspects of HR by yeah. using technology and bots and stuff like that to, you know, because let's be honest, most of the requests a service centre get, you know, probably the same. 
So if you can automate some of that yeah. and free up resource to actually focus on stuff that's more strategic or, or more personal and actually helping okay. develop that associate experience. Yes, and, that, and, and that's the journey we're on. Yeah, so um, we're doing, you know, we're, that's what the service centre is, is, is driving. It's really, it is really important. And I think, you know, in terms of what we need to do as a function, we've got to, you know, we have to invest in our, our skills. Yeah. You know, often it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's the last last thing that we think of, but we have to check to, so to stay relevant, we've got to be the best we can be. So we've got to invest in skills. We've got to get comfortable with technology. And, and we've really got to, you know, make sure that we are role modeling the things that we're telling other functions to do. So we need to be evolving and developing ourselves. Uh, and if we've got cultural shifts or other things that we're trying to do, that we're, we're part of that role model. So those are the three things that are really important for us to do. Great. Well, Julie, it's been great to have you on the show. How can listeners stay in touch with you? Uh, well, it's been great to have a conversation, so thank you. Thank you, David. Um, uh, uh, people can get in contact with me through LinkedIn. Great. Well, Julie, happy Christmas. Yeah, happy Christmas. As it's yeah. going to be not, well, not far off there. And thank you for, thank you for coming on the show. Thank yeah. you. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by your podcast app of choice. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show on your podcast app and share it with your friends and colleagues by social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. If you haven't already, do check out myhrfuture.com for the latest learning and news on the future of HR. And you can also subscribe to the weekly newsletter there too. That's all for this episode and indeed Series 5 of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. We'll be back in the new year. But for now, I wish all our listeners a Merry Christmas and good fortune for 2020. Thanks for all all your support so far and look forward to seeing you in 2020. See you next time.